In a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them, these brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable, the podcast where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Chad Robinson, and joining me today for our Ladies' Night special, this is always one of my favorite times, believe it or not, is my friend Lizzie Haynes. How are you doing, Lizzie? I am doing great. I have had a day and a half, and so I'm actually super, super psyched to come down to my basement and talk to you guys about movies. Excellent, excellent. And we have a crossover host, crossover guest, joining us from our friends at the newly minted RetroMade podcast, Katie Geilenkirchen. Katie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, guys. It's wonderful to meet you. I'm a fan of the show, so thanks for having me. Yeah, tell us about this new podcast that you've got going. Yeah, I'm fairly new. So RetroMade, your pop culture rewind. So if you like Retro Movie Roundtable, you're inclined to probably like my show as well. The format is slightly different, but similar enough in that I have seasons, um, themes for each season. And then I take kind of the pop culture of the time that the movie was released and kind of throw that, sprinkle that into the episode. So we kind of set the stage, get in that retro mindset by going over music and TV and all, all the all the happenings of the time before we get into the movie. And I have wonderful guests joining me most of the time as well. So yeah, awesome. check it out. And your season one is Patrick Swayze. Is that correct? It uh, is. It Well, it's two. It's the ultimate everyman. That, so it's Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze. So they're yes. movies that are from the 80s and 90s. I should have mentioned that as well. So movies from from that time. So Yeah, you've you know. covered. If you like our podcast, we've covered Big Trouble in Little China and Backdraft. Katie's done it as well. So if you like our takes, listen to her. If you hate our takes, maybe <laughs> Katie does it better. Check well, her out for that. It is fun to listen to the same movie on different shows just to see how it's covered differently. So I quite enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. Although you have a Fox and the Hound podcast and you open it with that infamous oh. quote. I, I had to shut off your show because that line just, that tears me up. I know. Yeah. Well, so that, that particular episode, because the Fox and the Hound came out in 1981 and I would recommend it is so much, it's, it's really Good, but it is sadder than I recall. But uh, oh we also, goodness. yeah, we also cover the birth. Um, I covered the birth of MTV, um, in from because it was the summer of 1981. Yes, yeah, yes, that good. whole montage where I, I don't remember her name, but like the grandma that just like kicking Todd out into the woods. Yes. Oh my god, you never it's, get over it. Oh, oh, and I actually have bloodhounds, like my, oh, my dog. <laughs> like it's totally oh, new, another yeah, layer. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just we'll always be friends, right? Oh. No, no, so you're not. Sad. 
Disney, what are you doing to us over here? All right. Well, let's talk about something happier, and that yes. would be pizza. Our movie today, we're not going to spoil it just yet, but it may have something to do with pizza. So, Katie, we'll start with you. Describe your ideal pizza, the crust, the sauce, the toppings. What is it? It's definitely a doughy New York style crust, regular standard red sauce, and then simple, simple ingredients. I like fresh basil, sun-dried tomatoes, and maybe a black olive, but that's my perfect pizza. What about you guys? Lizzie? So uh, I'm going to shout out to Blaze Pizza for anyone that has never heard of it before. It's kind of like Subway for pizza. You just go right up and do wood fire pizza. You can pick all your toppings. I love it because I can quite literally design it. My husband will tell you I'm very picky about my pizza. So I like a doughy New York crust just like you, but I like Mm -hmm. a olive oil-based sauce, so almost like the anti sauce, lots of garlic and Parmesan cheese, maybe a little arugula. That's my ideal, ideal pizza. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like Blaze Pizza. Their barbecue sauce is really good. Ooh, I haven't tried it, but I should. I yeah. am into a barbecue chicken pizza. It is sweet. I love a good stuffed crust. I have not Ooh, gotten over the, nice. the whole like being six Pizza Hut thing. <laughs> we had book it like back oh, when- Back when Pizza Hut was awesome and they rewarded you for reading. I think they still do that, but the little pan pizzas. Stuffed crust was a revelation. Traditional sauce. And just to make the internet mad, I want pineapple and ham on my pizza. I'll take pineapple. I I know some people go up in arms with the pineapple, but I like a pineapple on my pizza as well. I I love a good Hawaiian. What makes a pizza a no-go for you? We'll go to Katie. Meat, Meat. Any, any flesh, no go yeah. for me. Yeah. All right. All right. Veggie pizzas. Yep. Like it. Right. Uh, I hate a deep dish pizza. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Chicago. I can't do it. <laughs> like I just, it's disgusting. Like I do not like a. As you can probably guess from my original, what I like on a pizza, I can handle a red sauce if it's really light. But deep dish, it's like they just. It ladle is it on and I just I can't, can't. <laughs> disgusting. we have a weird place here that people it's almost like a courtesy smell that they they make you go to in Pittsburgh so they do a deep dish style pizza but they don't heat the cheese it's the it's cold cheese sprinkled on top and it oh. is miserable interesting it's, everyone's just like you have to try this but for me it's if you put fungus on a pizza I'm not eating it just no mushrooms for Chad. No, eh? no, Pittsburgh loves mushrooms on pizza, and I am a transplant. That is my biggest frustration: is we put mushrooms on your pizza. Why? Why? Are I you a mushroom know. hater otherwise, or yes. just on your pizza? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's a useful gatekeeping tool for whether I belong in a restaurant or not. <laughs> like we put mushrooms on poultry. I'd rather you didn't. Okay, got it. So. What was the last movie you saw, Katie? Well, uh, the last movie that I saw in theaters, this will give you an indication of how often I go, was Creed 3, <laughs> so okay. some time ago. Wow. But other than that, like just watching a movie, other than the movie that we're about to cover, um, because I also have a movie podcast, I recently rewatched Roadhouse nice. for a recording nice. of that. So um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys remember that movie? 
Absolutely. Of course, yeah. yes. And it, it goes perfectly with your season that you're It does. In. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, Patrick Swayze hitting another person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what movies have you guys seen lately? For me, I explained this the last podcast that we recorded. I believe I was with Russell and Dustin. I am on a journey to rewatch all of the Insidious movies in preparation for the newest one in theaters. So we just finished. So I watched The Last Key. And I had never seen that one before. That one was a new one for me. I had not seen any of the Insidious movies in some time. So rewatching them felt like a – completely new visit to me. I think I'd only seen the first one once. And I, Katie, I throw on a term a lot called cozy horror because I love scary movies. So I say this very often. It's just this idea that the movie is scary in the moment and then you can just move on with life and it's not going to terrorize you during your everyday. Okay. Well, Uh, that's good to know because I've not seen them. Well, Insidious, I was going to say, does not fall in this category. Insidious (laughs) Insidious is very, very – like I have been unwell watching these movies. That's a no bueno for me. I am – I have been very afraid since then. So I'm – I – and have enjoyed my journey. I'm ready to go see Insidious, uh, the Red Door in theaters. But so so far, last key is as far as I've gotten. It's similar. I I did watch the Red Door. So oh, nice. Okay. It, it is interesting. I just lost his name, but the guy that's the lead, he's actually directing it this time. Oh, really? Pat Patrick Wilson, right? Yes. Yes. yes thank you. Nice. Yeah, oh, I like him as an actor. You too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's kind of more of the same with. With that series, I've just never been a big Insidious fan. I, I confuse them when with Sinister. Like those were the mm. two that I constantly yes. mixed up. They're all like produced more. by the same people, so it makes complete sense that you would confuse them. But it's very much. Um, it's like this whole idea that like the further, like basically Stranger Things, the Upside Down. I mean, it's very, very frightening. I compared it to Thirteen Ghosts. It's like the idea of there being an entire world around you, like right in front of your face that you have no idea about. It would be Very much scary. more fun with those glasses though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was going to have myself some cozy horror. Ready or not is one of my favorite oh, movies. One. And I sat down and my wife hates it. And she's just like, please turn it <laughs> off. You're, you're, you're sitting doing other things. Can I not just watch Samara Weaving being awesome? The answer was no. So she is a big Paul Rudd fan. We haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. We watched that. She was happy to see Paul Rudd. I think she was one of the voters for Sexiest Men Alive. She's a big <laughs> fan there. That's fine. He's a cool guy. And But the movie, eh, it was okay. It was okay. Jonathan Majors was really, really good. Headlines, not really good for him. Yeah, he was also kind of what made Creed three great. I mean, good in my opinion. Um, I also do a Rocky show, so and Sylvester Stallone was not in Creed three, so there's a little bit of a little kind of a mini controversy there. But I did see it despite Sly not being in it. But and I got it. And so anyway, Johnny Jonathan Majors too was really good in it. But then yeah, headlines like wah wah right, <laughs> for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. I I like the Guardians movie far better than this one. So, so far, phase, I I don't know what we're in, five, six of Marvel. It's not hitting home runs for me like the first. Maybe I'm just getting burnout. No, I agree. My burnout happened shortly after Endgame. So I I don't blame you. Yep. 
But let's get to a cinematic universe or would-be cinematic universe. They tried to make a sequel, didn't happen. Lizzie, what <laughs> what movie are we going to cover today? We are going to cover 1988's Mystic Pizza. All right. This is starring Annabeth Gish, Julia Roberts, Lily Taylor, Vincent Tanofrio, very young, has hair, William mm-hmm. R. Moses, Adam Stork, and Conchata Farrell. It's released, as Lizzie said, in 1998. has a budget of $6 million. It grosses about $12 million domestically. That's good enough for 76th in the box office. They Live places in front of it, and DOA is right behind it. The number one movie is Rain Man, excellent movie that hopefully we get to one day. Mm-hmm. IMDb kind of gives us a middling rating. It's around a 6.3. Rotten Tomatoes. The critics like this movie. It's at 78%. The audience is weirdly harsh on this movie at 54%. It received two thumbs up, though, from Siskel and Ebert, giving particular praise to our three leads, of, including Gish. Ebert likened her to Catherine Hepburn. He said, this is a young Catherine Hepburn. And I think it was Ebert that said, this movie will exist much longer due to our star's performance. So maybe he was a little prescient about that. Mm-hmm. Katie, this was on your short list. We'll start with you. Had you seen this movie before? Of course. I grew up watching this movie. Yes. Excellent. Have Excellent. you guys seen it? I hope. I hope so. Or was this your first watch? This is my first watch. <laughs> yes, I, I know, I know. This, so this had always been on my like want to watch list. And then as a matter of fact, whenever you like, you know how you will scroll and when you can't find something to watch. Yeah. And my husband Aaron and I probably for 10 years now have been – we will scroll past Mystic, Mystic Pizza and we will just say to each other in this exact tone, we'll go, Mystic Pizza. And then we'll always – wonder if we want to watch it and then we just never do it's always been something I've wanted to explore so I'm I'm grateful to you for finally giving me a reason to watch it but but no this is my first time interesting what about you Chad I had seen this my wife hadn't who Russell jokes because he'll go through back when DVDs were a thing in stores we would go to a store and he would flip through the rom-coms and things like that and he would be increasingly horrified of how many I had seen. My wife makes me watch a lot of these. This was one that it just comes up in trivia for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to deal with this, but she hadn't seen it. So I was excited when it was shortlisted. It was like, we're doing this one. Lizzie picked this one. Lizzie hadn't seen it. Russell hadn't seen it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I can't foresee Brian or Dustin having seen this. Oh my so- gosh. I'm shocked because just I... It was kind of just like a part of the, you know, just it was, I feel like everybody sort of had seen it. And I don't know, I'm different areas, different geographies we grew up in, I suppose. But um, yeah, well, I'm glad to be covering it with you guys now. Yes. Yeah, I, w- I went to bat for this one. So I'm a little nervous, particularly with Lizzie. Sarah it wound up enjoying it when we watched it together. So she had a good time. But Katie, you said you've seen this before. What were you expecting revisiting this? How long had it been? And do you think it still holds up? 
Yeah, those are interesting questions. It had been a while since I'd seen it. So, and you know, what's interesting too uh, about revisiting some of the movies that you had watched and really remember liking a lot when you were growing up. And sometimes, sometimes it's good to leave things where they are because rewatching <laughs> them again isn't so great. But I, that's not necessarily the case with this movie. I um, also, because I recently rewatched Dirty Dancing and growing up watching that, I miss, you miss a lot of things. Like, so as an adult, it, you just have a different lens watching, watching an older movie. So I think I appreciated a lot of the more subtleties that I didn't in previous viewings, rewatching it. So in terms of whether or not it holds up, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define that, but I think, yes, it does hold up pretty well. All right. And Lizzie, brand new experience for you. We don't want to spoil too much of like your end ratings, but did you at least enjoy yourself while you're watching this? Yes, I loved it. I felt like it scratched so many itches that you just naturally expect when you watch a rom-com. I'm a huge Julie Roberts fan. So this was always, again, something that I had wanted to visit and just never have. And I, I think in terms of whether or not it holds up, there's obvious reasons why it doesn't. You know, the the kind of silly reason why it wouldn't, I would say, is because, you know, no one hitchhikes anymore. You know, that's like right. little things like that where it's not going to hold up. But in terms of the actual meat of the story and like what matters, I think absolutely because you're, you're really dealing with – it's a three coming-of-age tales. And mm-hmm. regardless of what decade you're in, the struggles that they're facing, again, not to get too far into it, but what they're facing – it's universal. Every young woman is going to go through that in, in some way, shape, or form, and, and it's special to be able to watch them do it together. I'm excited for that perspective because I cannot offer offer that type of perspective. <laughs> I do feel like I'm cheating on Dustin. We have covered three movies together. Dustin would always joke that this is the Retro Movie Roberts podcast. Oh, and- Now he's not here to share this, but I am very, very happy to have Lizzie's point of view. And Lizzie is going to spoil this movie. So if you have not seen Mystic Pizza, please check it out. Sounds like you'll have a good time. We're going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back with those spoilers. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. And we're back. Last warning before Lizzie goes into our plot summary. If you haven't seen Mystic Pizza, please check it out. Put us on pause, watch a good movie, and get back to us. Lizzie? Our movie centers around three sisters living in the town of Mystic who all share a job at Mystic Pizza, a local pizza parlor where the sauce is legendary and totally top secret. 
Jojo is spunky, ambitious, and loves fooling around with her boyfriend, Bill, who is ready to make a commitment through marriage. Jojo, however, is not ready for all that marriage can bring. Daisy is a zesty and carefree girl who has a summer fling with a rich law student summering in town with his family. Kat, the youngest, heading off to Yale in the fall, is babysitting for a local architect, Tim, while his wife is in London. Kat is a great babysitter. However, her and Tim blur lines together, making things even more complicated when Tim's wife comes home. While all three girls face their own unique challenge, they each lean on each other to make their way through it all. Jojo realizes her love for Bill is real and they finally marry. Daisy is ready to think ahead and plan her future, and in doing so, starts to consider Charlie as more than a summer fling. Kat heads to Yale, taking her next steps with hope at her bright future ahead. Very nice. The Arujo family. So this is Mystic Pizza. It's a real pizza parlor. This was a real place that writer Amy Holden Jones saw while vacationing in Mystic, Connecticut. This is a very popular destination spot, and she wrote a story about it, and that's what we have today. The pizza place was like, yeah, whatever, we'll loan out the rights to our name. This is going to be a nothing movie, and we'll make a quick buck. Well, that's not how it wound up for them, and it is so popular that patrons come in and they steal stuff from the restaurant. Don't do that. And there are just huge lines out to the sidewalks. So just like our movie, the pizza parlor gets a boost from good reviews. So that is awesome. And Lizzie gave us that excellent plot summary. We have really three main characters that we follow. And I feel like I'm watching other movies within this movie. They're all, we get them later, but we kind of get elements of Runaway Bride with Jojo. We get Pretty Woman with the exception of her being a hooker with Daisy. It's also... (laughs) It's also a Julia Roberts movie, and we even kind of get the Ratatouille. We have this looming critic who is just mean on his show, and there's just that foreboding, is he going to come to the pizza shop? So let's let's go through our couple of our characters, just discuss some of this plot. Uh, the first person I want to talk about is Daisy, and this is played by a very different Julia Roberts. This is not America's sweetheart. She is proudly promiscuous. What do you think of this character? And do you like Julia Roberts in this role? Katie? I love her in this role. I mean, obviously this was her breakthrough role. And I, it, it it helped me see, I can see why she was cast then for Pretty Woman. I think the characters are very similar. She's got the wild hair. She's foul mouth. She's just, this is who I am. Um, you know, but she's, she is like a good hearted person. She cares about her friends. She's loyal. She, you know, I mean, it's, I just think she's very, it's a realistic character And she uses her sex appeal and her younger sister is the smart one, the good girl of the family. And, uh, but she's jealous of her older sister and how she's, she's beautiful, but like in a regular person kind of a way, I loved her hair in it, just her untamed kind of wild, long, flowy, curly hair, uh, Daisy, I think. And, and I thought Julia Roberts played her extremely well. 
Yeah, she makes an interesting comment at one point to the other sisters of all the things that they've got going for them with Jojo. It's like, you've got Bill, Cat, you've got Smarts. She points to her chest and she says, I've got these and then holds up beer. And I've got these. Like, Which I, that was kind of a sad moment actually for me because then there is like a, not to like kind of get too far into it, but there's a scene later where Daisy's mom tries to have a kind of a heart to heart with her, trying to warn her of, you know, this rich guy coming into town and, you know, he's not going to marry you. You know, like I've, I didn't always look like this. I used to be young and pretty and I, I know what it's like, you know, we're basically, she's like, we're the townies. This is what happens. These vacationers, these rich vacationers come in. And um, so they have this touching moment together where they're both worried about it. And, and I don't know, it makes it, we're endeared to Daisy in that she she does sort of feel like she's being left behind a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I can absolutely see that. I think, you know, I would argue because, yes, aside from Pretty Woman, she's not – Julie Roberts very seldom plays somebody who is like super sex positive. But I think that she always – the one common denominator in every single character that she plays is she's – just messy. Like her life is just messy. Like there's never really been, she's never been the perf- little miss perfect. And, um, you know, in Runaway Bride, she has like massive anxiety attacks every single time she, and you know, in the pretty woman, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory. And I just, I think that she always is this charming, lovable, hot mess. And I think yes, that's a really even that, even though it's different in this way, like she's a little rougher around the edges. I think I completely agree with you, Katie. I think that probably watching her in this movie was like, she's got to be our Vivian and pretty woman because Mm -hmm. she is able to do and say things with a charm that is just cannot be taught. Like she is just stellar. And she gets away with it. Like, yeah, there's, it's a, it's a it's it's a Julia thing, yeah. What about yeah. you, Chad? Do you do you like her character in this? I do. At first, revisiting this, it's a little jarring. I'm used to Conchata Farrell being very foul mouthed, yeah, so it's yeah. very strange hearing Julia Roberts drop f bombs and Conchata Farrell's character chastising her. Saying, <laughs> Watch your mouth. Language. Yeah. I I think of her mostly as Berta from Two and yeah. a Half Men, mm-hmm. and she's just. She has a very sharp wit. So this was a different character for me to revisit. I think when I first saw this, I wasn't that familiar with the character. I I do. I Julia Roberts is charming. She just has it. I don't know what it is. It it is it. She's and yep. Whatever she says, even if it comes off as horribly offensive, it can still be there's a bit of charm for it. Like you'll give her a pass of just saying yeah. terrible things. And how many people could literally pour fish juice oh. on your Porsche and you are just going to forgive them right then and there. I actually no. asked Aaron just to be funny because he was so mad. I was like, and he's like, he just forgives her so quickly. And I was like, well, you'd forgive me, right? What'd he say? <laughs> He said yes in the way that I know he's lying because he doesn't know. What <laughs> yes. I actually like, noted that. Yes. <laughs> that he do- he's so very quick to be like, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. But I think being rich is helpful in I that it's right. no, but you yes. know, if, yeah. 
yeah, he has to drive the, was it a BMW that he has to yeah. trade it out for? Yeah. That's, that's the ultimate shame for a rich person driving mm -hmm. a middle-class car. Uh, let's talk about Charlie for a minute. Is he a likable love interest? I kind of think he is at first. I think we, he grew on me. Like, I, I think at first you're like, oh, here we go again. Like, here's the standard, like, douchey rich guy. But, you know, then we do see, I sort of, was, where I thought the movie was going to go, I guess he had a few redeeming qualities mm -hmm. in that I thought he was just going to use her and lose her, which is probably what most of his like do in that town. Um, and then he also is insecure himself. Like he, he couldn't, he got kicked out of law school and he feels like a failure in his family. And uh, he does come around in the end. Like he kind of redeems himself as like a pretty decent dude. Um, so I kind of liked that layered nature of him that he wasn't just your typical, like good looking rich guy. Did you guys feel differently? No, I liked him. I thought he was like, I think I think that I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of his charm. I think that it was there. I loved the 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 hitchhiking scene that I mentioned earlier where he, <laughs> he tassels her hair and tries to like hike up her skirt and try to look all sexy. And he's like, hold on, let me try. And then he does that too. And uh, and even in that fish scene where she pours all of the you know, the tubs on his Porsche and she's like, you know, I messed up. And he's like, but you did it with a hundred percent effort. You know, yeah. he, every now and again, he had these funny one-liners. He did. And, um, but you can really tell that I think what probably turned into a fling for him really did grow into something more. And I think eventually at the end, it leaves a lot to the imagination of what could be, but the fact that he's, at the wedding reception, you know, scooping up ice cream, probably doing something he's never done before. You know, he's willing to end, go out of his comfort zone to show how down he is for her. And so I think, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he has potential for sure. Oh, oh, he clearly had never scooped ice cream. Roll up your <laughs> sleeves, young man. Right. <laughs> I, what I just, just to interject about, uh, what I miss about the 80s movies is a guy really did have to put in some effort because he had to find her. Like he had to go to her house and wait for her to come home. You know, this was before cell phones. So, yeah, like he legit did have to put in some effort to woo her. He yeah. couldn't just text her, you know. He had to meet her very religious mother and yeah. talk, talk to her. Uh, I had the same feelings as Katie initially. Like, here's this rich jerk who probably should be named like myself. I <laughs> I, I hate that association. Aww. I never had a frat, but that's that's where the name went for a while. He's throwing around money. He's just being a huge cocky jerk. But I think what makes him interesting is the bad things that happen to him and how he takes it in stride. Having his car ruined and he doesn't flip out. He doesn't call her names. He's just like, hey. This was something you were passionate about. Great. I love seeing the passion. This is my sister, by the way. You're clearly embarrassed. I'm not going to rub your nose in it. He does yeah. joke a little later. And then his awful family, who are just making Portuguese slurs and everything else, right in front of his date. 
and they're talking down to him and he clearly still loves them because there's conflict as, as to how Daisy handles that. But I, I think all the horrible things that happen around him make me like him more. He does go to the mom. I like that, that phase that takes guts. You're right. Mm-hmm. You can't just text someone and say Netflix and chill. Mm-hmm. This is going to the religious mother and Hey, we are going to go out. We'll be back in this time. I will have her back. We won't be violating any norms. I also loved the the scene where he he blows it. Like he makes a scene and he acts like a jerk, despite the fact that his family was being super rude and classist and all of the, all of the things. But she is mad at him because she expects that from them. She, but but she's like, you're throwing me in their face. You're using me in that moment to kind of get back at them. So I I liked that it wasn't. It's not like it wasn't tropey. I guess I like that this movie's not didn't seem super tropey. The other thing that I kind of forgot about, and I'm curious to see what you guys think is the, um, and maybe it's a geography thing. So this is in Connecticut, obviously mystic Connecticut in like a, like a fisherman town or a fisherman's village. And the idea is that there's a lot of Portuguese people like working class community I had never seen that in a movie before. Like usually it's like, I don't know, you the you see like some other ethnicity, I guess. I guess I had never seen I, I don't know if that was like a thing. Had you guys did you take note of that at all? I have you know, I've in terms of its accuracy, I've actually never been even in close to Connecticut and to Miss to Mystic outside of being very young. So I think um whether or not that's accurate, I'm not sure, but I, I feel like the it's on the tip of my tongue where some something somewhat similar has been done before. But even okay. if it hasn't been done necessarily through race, it's been done in movies in many other ways, like with class, class for sure, yeah. And um, and it is interesting how you know um the the movie the only other movie I can kind of parallel it is. Summer Catch. Do you guys remember that movie? It was yes. like a teeny bopper movie with Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. And that was in Chatham. So it kind of okay. close. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, but it I don't think I ever remember there being a a minority community that was highlighted, but there was definitely this idea of like townie versus yeah. uh someone who was coming in in some vacationer. Yeah. 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 And, I'm going to give you one and you're going to say, oh, how did I miss it? My big fat Greek quitting. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Good call. Yes. Good call. But that yeah, is a great one. Perfect example. Mystic does have a very, very high Portuguese population. And that's one of well, the things where I felt. Then it does. It I, totally tracks then. Yeah. I kind of felt cool. this movie was a miss for that reason with the casting, though. Like no one particularly yeah. looks Portuguese here. <laughs> and. I, I kept wondering, okay, we're bringing in Vincent D'Onofrio. We're bringing in Italians. We're bringing in Julia Roberts as English. That's where her family would would uh, derive from. I don't know about Annabeth Gish, but that is kind of an English name. Well, she looks very – I actually thought she looked more like the uh, – what do they call the rich kid? Like white bread guy. They mm, even yeah. say that. Like she kind of even has that – that like, I don't know, Mayflowery type. Yes. Right. Look to her. 
Yeah, maybe. For sure. <laughs> it's her <Yeah>. style. <laughs> Lots so, of- yeah, I, I do think at least they all have dark hair. <laughs> yes, but only for this movie. Julia yeah. Roberts was blonde and she had to dye her hair black in order to get the part because they said, you don't look like it. Yeah. So that, that was a fun casting. But we mentioned Kat, Annabeth Gish. She is our smart one who makes really stupid decisions with married men. She's you, only 16. It, did you like in real life? She was only 16 filming this. Oof. Oh, wow. Yeah. But Yikes. she plays an 18 year old. Um, but I don't know how stupid I think that I guess. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt chat. I was You're just fine. in that. I think it's very relatable because she's. So she has zero experience like this. This is like her first love. It might have even been her first kiss. Um, and so she doesn't know better. Like, you know, she's just letting her feelings take over her, take over, mm-hmm. it seems. I completely agree. Aaron and I got into a huge discussion about this because I think it's really – it's super easy to look at it from just a very logistical standpoint and be like – they're both like this is a 50-50 affair. They're both completely in the wrong and like that is just that. And Kat is – she's in the – make no mistake. She is in the wrong. She should not have absolutely gone after that. But I appreciate what you're saying is that I think what Kat possibly had was a schoolgirl crush that she absolutely should not have acted on. But I – think that at that particular age, when you're dealing with a man who was 30 years old, he is the one that is supposed to be responsible in those situations and understand that first and foremost, you're married. You're, mm-hmm. You've made a commitment to another person and have made a family with them. Um, but more importantly, even if you were a single 30-year-old man, that you are completely taking advantage of yes. this girl's like crush on you and – leading her on and we had a huge talk because they really tee this up to mm-hmm. and so you know it's going to happen but then it's suggested that at one particular time that she more than likely loses her virginity to this guy and mm-hmm. that was so sad and as you know I'm I'll be 35 in September but as somebody who has been young once and had mm-hmm. You know, not an experience, anything like that, but just had experiences where things just don't work out the way you think they are. It's um, it's really heartbreaking. And I remember watching her make that choice and was like, oh my gosh, this is so bad because she's going to give something to him that is going to – she's just never going to be able to take that back. He doesn't deserve it. And you're just always going to unfortunately be left with knowing that you – shared yourself with someone that just did not deserve that part of you. And it's uh, – she just – it made me so sad. That whole storyline was, as an adult, hit really hard and made me sad for her. Yeah, my my wife looked at me because I said, he broke the golden rule, and she's looking at me like, preyed on teenager? I said, no. No, for men, the joke ratio is half your age plus seven. And she- <laughs> She, Happy age plus seven. She was she was under that, but yeah, yeah my yeah. daughter just insisted on watching Princess Diaries, and a big plot point of that is her wanting to get the foot pop moment of this yes. kiss, and and it's kind of the same thing here. Cat's wanting that magic, and she finds someone who's interested in her, but it's 
clearly not a great relationship, even even without the marriage involved. Like this is your babysitter. You're 30 years old. You're taking advantage of this kid, even though she's presumably 18, being portrayed here. Yeah. But nevertheless, like they're separated. You're in charge of the kid, and he's just hanging around. Oh, let me show you the bedroom. Don't do that. Well, yeah, I don't. I I felt a little. I don't know. I somehow I didn't hate Tim initially. Like later, obviously, uh, so Tim, the architect, who yes. the, he's he's the guy that she uh, has a crush on, and but he, you know, he's he's kind of trying to bring us along his frame of mind with you know he's one of those which I think was or possibly still is very common like he got married probably too young and they are married and he understands that and he accepts what his life is but he sort of alludes to that he wouldn't choose that now and they very much and so then it's like well they seem very connected they're interested in the same things they both go or went to Yale like all of that and then you do see it coming a mile away obviously yeah. Yeah. but uh but yeah i mean i will get into it a little bit later but i um i don't love cat like i don't know it's hard for me to explain and i think partially it's annabelle gish nothing against her i think she does there's some great acting points for her in this um especially when she says there's a touching moment with her and her sister after he after tim breaks her heart yeah and it's the most relatable sim- the simplest but most relatable line why does it hurt so much mm-hmm. i i just i thought that was really great mm-hmm. despite my not loving her for this role yeah. 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 She from from one relationship we'll talk about our third sister and her relationship with men. <laughs> we have Jojo, who is our runaway bride. I think she's in a very interesting role. It's this fascinating role reversal, and I can't remember an earlier movie that does this. She is the one that the point of their relationship is sex. Like she is enjoying Bill and Bill wants commitment. Bill is saying, you only want me for my, we can't say that because we're a family friendly podcast, but he is, he's wanting to make it right in the eyes of God. And he wants this family. So we've got this role reversal. Is this an interesting aspect for you, Katie? Indeed. I, especially again, this is 1988 and in a town like that, and especially at that time, you know, they're so uh, let's see, Ka- uh, Daisy and Jojo are, what do we think? Like maybe 21, 22 ish. Old enough to buy liquor. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, young, but you know, so that's the thing to do. Like she's been with Bill for a while. They do love each other. Like that's the step. And the movie shows us that. And she, I, I do think it was nice at this time to see it as a reversal, but also, Lily Taylor plays it so perfectly. I mean, she just has the perfect personality. It's like this, she spices up this movie. Um, And Vincent D'Onofrio, I mean, I thought they're, they were so believable as a couple. Um, And it was, I just, I don't, again, I think the writing was, was well done in that very relatable. 
you know, like she's like, I, I do love him. I want to get married. Just not now. And he, you know, he's like, that's not how the, and they're very Catholic and yes. boy, that's, we're showing that mm-hmm. immediately. The first scene, it's just kind of shoved down our throat. The priest goes on and on about. That was eternal, an intense sermon. Like eternal damnation over yes. and over again. <laughs> and, and then, so she can't do it. She's like, F no, 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 no. I don't want right. to do this. Yeah. I love them. I think that they are so fun to watch. That was – they were probably my favorite storyline because – Yeah. Possibly because of the role reversal, it was so exciting to watch that I really did never know and couldn't anticipate where the direction was going to go. And, you know, watching the trailer – I knew that there was going to be some kind of marriage conflict and it was so exciting to me that the movie opened up with their wedding because I had just naturally assumed that watching this wedding conflict, just the dialogue that they choose in the trailer makes it seem like it's a totally different trope of, you know, why won't he marry me and I want to get married and – uh, and then I just – so I naturally assume that JoJo is dying to get married and then at the very end of the movie, finally, they she gets her wish. And so just for things to be so just completely turned on its head was really exciting to watch. And, you know, I I will say there's something so amazing about a man that is not afraid to share his big feelings. I think Mm -hmm. that that's so, so, so special. It's really special in real life when you find a man that can share his big feelings. And it's really awesome when you find it on – in a movie and done in a really genuine way, not in a way that's like – tinsel town over the top mm-hmm. never would actually happen. But in a true, like, listen, I'm just going to, like, lay it all on the ground here. We're just out in the middle of the street. I'm going to tell you how I feel and just let the chips fall where they may. I just – I loved Bill. He was so fun to watch. And, you know, I got married young. Aaron and I got married when we were 24. So we weren't too far off from where they were. And so I – I'm in Kentucky and that's really normal when you mm-hmm. get married at 24. So I think if it feels, you know, I, I think finally she just kind of realizes that you might not ever fully be ready for what marriage is going to have. But if you found the right person and you're ready to commit to them, then, you know, it just just go for it. Well, and over the course of the movie, she sees – her friends and the types of relationships that they're having. And, and I think she's sort of like makes her more appreciative of Bill. She's like, wow, Bill, Bill really is a good guy. You know, he's, he's not this douchey rich guy and he's not this like, um, adulterer, you know, that's going to break a young girl's heart. So, and Bill loves me and women love like a tough guy with a soft side. So, I mean, and he's not afraid to say all those things. And I mean, this is like he's on his fishing boat with like these mm-hmm. with all these like, you know, guy guys. And he's not afraid to say it, how much he loves her right in front of them. So, yeah, I mean, she kind right. of like publicly cuckolded him by leaving him at the altar. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. He still is willing to, you know, go after her and pursue her and court her. And I – um yeah, I think it's it, – he's – they're a really fun couple to watch. And I love the scene. There's a scene where, you know, right after he proclaims that, you know, she's only in it for the physical, 
and they end up breaking it off and she goes back into work. She shows up hours early and she tries to play it super cool. Like, you know, like I just broke up with Bill. And then she, as she's talking about it, she starts to spiral, realizing that she's probably made the wrong decision of being like, you know, I could just stay here. I could stay here. I could figure it out. But, you know, but I, uh, like, you know, I don't, I don't need him. And like, as she's starting to, you can just see her get so emotional of realizing the gravity of, I can't play it cool. Like, I don't care because I'm seeing now that it might be taken away from me that I really do very deeply. And she's, she did a great job. Yeah. She wants all those things and she knows, okay, retirement's far away for the shop owner. She may not get that recipe. Now, I, <laughs> yeah. Lizzie says young and she says 24. I was married at 22. So oh. West, West Virginians do it even earlier. We just 16 <laughs> year anniversary. So oh, well, congratulations. congratulations. We had that. But yeah, Bill, I think you guys hit it. Bill is committed where she's looking at all these, uh, the townies uh, versus these, there are people that are coming just to find the women, score, have that as a trophy, and then leave for their summer homes or wherever else. There are adulterers. There's, I think part of it, too, is this is supposed to be a very small town. It's a very religious community. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's also everyone knows each other. They're playing off of each other. And Bill, yeah, his friends are making fun of him because she left him at the altar. They're not. This isn't the typical guy friends of dodged a bullet there, bro, or whatever, how how this would be treated. They're almost sad for him because they can see that he wants he paints her name on the boat. And it's a very tragic scene when he changes the boat name and he gets her back by writing that name back. So the guy has a steady job. He's committed to her. He loves her. And she says, I want all these things, just not now. And I think she realizes we can work it out. We do factor in, okay, Catholics. So maybe the kids are are due quicker than uh, than you might like. I don't know, but it seems like they've dodged children so far. So yeah, I'm shockingly so. <laughs> um, but it was to your point about the the children and the Catholic thing. Um, I it was funny. She takes everything in stride. I I do love JoJo's character so much, but she's just glowing when they do finally get married, and. Bill's mom is asking when she's going to get knocked up. I think she's like, I've been married for two hours and she's already asking me when I'm going to have kids. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all parents and grandparents and whatever. (laughs) I'm just going to say that too. My my wedding night was how much longer until grandchildren? Are you serious? Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Yes. So at 22, it was, we're done with you. We want new new versions to play with. So they had to wait nine years. Too bad. It's a natural progression of that because it's when you get married, it's okay, so when are you having kids? It's like the next milestone. You so have to yes. yes, immediately. And then like so I have uh Aaron and I have three children. When our first was born, I think he was five or six months old. When are you having another? Like when's your second one coming? Are you going to be a big brother anytime soon? And then when that one was born, when our middle child was born, it was like, so are you guys done? You having any more? And so we, I mean, we still sometimes, our youngest is, will be two in September and she some, like we sometimes still get asked. And so I just like, nope, we, 
we're done. We've set that shop's closed. <laughs> so I think yes. finally retired from being asked personal questions. But um, but yeah, it happens a lot. It's wild. There's a bit of shorten for it of like parents yeah. that go through the children and they don't necessarily want you to be happy. They kind of want you to share in the misery. Uh-huh. Like, I, can hey, I can't sleep, so I don't want you to sleep. Go have kids. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I can it. see that. If if you were like a bratty child, they're like you. You'll get yours when you have right. kids, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So our, our last plot point here is this critic. It's kind of looming over all of our romance, all of the things that are happening, and he's a bit of a scary critic, and he's just bashing. I can't remember what it is initially. He's going to town, Gordon Ramsay, all over these people, and they're entertained, but. We think, okay, this is Chekhov's gun. He's going to come to the shop. It's being mentioned. Were you at all concerned he's going to trash the secret sauce? I I will say they they did the scene was very well done in that there was some uh, mystery or tension because he takes so he orders an entire pizza. I don't know if yes. you can get get there. It seems like you can't get it by the slice. It's just you order a pizza. It looks amazing, by the way. That don't, didn't you guys think the pizza looked really good? Mm-hmm. So he May takes come up. <laughs> he takes two bites and asks for the check and doesn't even want to take the the entire pizza he ordered home with him. So we're le- we're led to believe, and as as the characters are like, ah, oh, you know, screw him. You know, they assume that he is displeased. But I don't think I ever, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I had like a strong feeling one way or the other. What did you think, Chad? Did you have a? I think he's a monster for not taking the to-go box. Like, yeah. You, it's, you rude. It. it's rude. It's rude. It's the two bites, the the dentures in the water, the ridiculously fast service. I wish I could go in and just say, hey, I want a pizza. And it just be handed to me little Caesar style, but actually be good. And yeah, I... He does I, say that he's not a pizza guy, though. Right. Yeah. They they feed you enough red herrings that you, mm. I think there's a genuine concern of, okay, he's not going to be brought back to his childhood via ratatouille. He's just going to eviscerate this place, and they're going to move on, and you'll get the secret recipe and whatever. But no, we get our, our happy ending here. We get it through Bill and JoJo. Everything else is kind of loose ends. We don't really know how it goes. But this... They're getting calls for reservations. I I like getting a little boost, especially for Leona to then say, okay, JoJo, here's, here's or not JoJo, Cat, here's money for Yale. Mm-hmm. So we, we have that sweet reassurance of, yeah, she's kind of putting herself out on a ledge for this kid that she loves, but their pizza shop's going to be okay. Was- yes. Yeah. I after Kat rips up a check from Tim. Oh, I would take that. I would too. I'm like, why are you ripping it up? I mean, like, I understand the idea behind it. Like, that'll show him I don't need anything from him, but I'd take that money. Right. Then then it truly becomes like the pretty woman of, okay, Mm -hmm. you've you've been paid for your time. Lizzie, were were you worried? This was new to you. No, I feel possibly the first time that I had seen it in a world where I was much younger. I think I I probably would have been concerned if that were the case. But having watched it for the first time as an adult and as, you know, just a self-proclaimed movie lover, I've seen enough 
times where something like this is teed up to really get you to think it's going to be a flop to know that, hey, they would never put this in this movie, not this kind of movie, if it were going to be a flop. He's going to love it. I will say, though, that I you cannot get an accurate read on anything by taking two small bites. I mean, yeah. that was – Poor judgment on his part. I'm glad that he gave a great review to Mystic Pizza, but to me it just felt untrue. I wish that I, – I understand why they did it because they wanted to have the element of surprise on TV, but I think that they possibly could have done it just more authentic in the moment where he was, like loved it and wanted more and then maybe just – not even showed his interview on TV because now at this point, you know, he's going to give a positive interview. Yeah. Yeah, That would have been good. I myself, it just shows me how little willpower I have because if I (laughs) love something, especially a good pizza, there's, I couldn't eat two bites and put it down. Like I don't, I don't think I could actually do that. I'd need to eat it, eat more of it. The, the crust matters. Like eat the crust. The crust and- matters. The crust matters. Honestly, what I probably would have done is um, I – if I had was, – was by myself, I because I if I'm eating alone, I want to be like alone. And so I would have taken my bites, realized that I loved it, and then taken the entire box to-go box, probably some kind of like two-liter or something that they would have had with them being a pizza parlor, uh-huh. and then gone back to my hotel room in my sweatpants yes. and eaten that in bed and eaten, devoured the entire thing. That would have Lizzie, been I would have done. <laughs> I literally exact same, exact same. That's like a happy place for me. Yes. Is, some people think that's disgusting, but I think eating in my bed by my hotel room is like, is, it's, like it's someone yeah. else's bed too. Yeah, yeah exactly. like it's a hotel it's like room. It's a total happy place. Yeah. You've to got be your in. wine, you've got your pizza. Yeah, and the sweatpants matters. Yeah, yeah you got to be comfy. Yes, you have to be comfortable. They have to be stretchy. Yeah. You know, you're going to get bloated with all of that crust yeah. and bread and everything. <laughs> so you need some pants that have some give. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. Um, we're on the same page here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will nod and smile for the podcast. Sure. <laughs> There's no shame in a guy just shoving pizza down his face. So we don't we don't have that same challenge. Uh, Katie, what bucket do you put this film in? I think it there's a lot of places it could go, but where are you personally putting this? Ooh, that's a really good question, Chad, because I think I when I was kind of doing a little bit of, you know, research to for today, it shows it as like sometimes a romantic comedy. Like I think a lot of times it's grouped in the rom-com. I don't like rom-coms generally speaking. So if it this is a rom-com, maybe it's an exception, but I would say it's a dramedy. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Lizzie, how about you? It's your first time viewing. I completely agree. I think it is absolutely a dramedy because there really isn't a main character, first and foremost. It's really an ensemble. And usually speaking, the formula that romantic comedies take is it's like strictly like guy and girl unless you're talking about like Valentine's Day like one of those like rando movies and uh, so I think because there's not one particular couple that it's centered on and I you know I think even though everything tends to you get your happy ending for for Bill and Jojo there's also like you said like some loose ends and there's a lot of 
tough circumstances that happen in this movie that I really think fall outside, you know, particularly Kat's storyline with Tim. I really feel like that kicks it up a notch and kind of allows it to graduate from rom-com status and more into a drama because, I mean, that's it's a really big emotional hill for a rom-com to climb. So I, I think it's definitely a dramedy. Okay, okay. The closest facsimile I could place this to was Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, which I actually like and will go to, I'll go to bat for it. Uh, terrible name. I wish it was named literally anything else. <laughs> I just don't want to say that very much. But it, to me, it's one of those coming of age type mm-hmm. movies. I, I think dramedy is fair. Russell puts me on these type of shows because it's like, this is going to be a romance or this is going to be a chick flick or a rom-com. And I have a higher tolerance than most of our hosts have oh, for this. And interesting. So, so this this is kind of my bailiwick, uh, horror and romance <laughs> comedies. I, it's a very, very you're, strange You're balanced play. out then. Yes, yeah. yes, because I'm, I'm fair. Although I, I was not on First Wives Club and I... That one didn't work for me. Made me uh, so sad. I, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been helpful to you there. I, who was that? Was that Brian? Oh gosh, and it was Dustin? brutal. Dustin and Brian—they just oh, no. ripped it to shreds. It was. Yeah. Oh well, Lizzie, you're the you're the solo woman yes. on the show, yes. and I feel that because I'm I'm on another show. Um, actually, I'm on a whole network of action stars. I mean, so can you imagine nice. the, the testosterone that fills yeah. our that, backs hurt, that landscape? Right? No. <laughs> uh, but also just in podcasting, I guess there seems to be fewer women just generally somehow. So I feel you that it's, you know, you really have to like hold that ground hard. Yeah. That people are okay. awful to women in all forms of media. So, you know, Lizzie has been such an awesome addition to our show and we love the perspective, even though sometimes we are not in agreement on the movies. It's uh, it's great to be brought back into that spectrum because otherwise we just we get trapped in the sci-fi or whatever yeah. of the day, and it's just yeah, it's it's no fun. <laughs> I'm a horror fan myself, so Chad and I have that in common, so I can yes. balance it out a little bit. But yeah, it's fun to volley. It's I mm-hmm. honestly think that. My favorite podcasts are either the ones where we all can unanimously agree that it was just epic or there is some kind of tension. Those Mm -hmm. are also equally fun, you know, and the ones that are kind of in in that middle range tend to not be quite as enjoyable. So I think – Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's win, lose, or draw. It's always fun. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, let's talk some alternate casting because these are always fun. They Gloria are. Estefan, she mm-hmm. turned down the role of Daisy. She said she wasn't quite ready for that yet. Do you want Gloria Estefan in this role? I do not. I mean, you know, because Julia rocks it so well, I can't really see any, you know. Also, I didn't really know that Gloria Estefan acted. What is she in? I have no idea. <laughs> she's going to ask that too. I'd be like, wait, she's, I don't even She's know. still I not ready. I don't she know. has like the right look. <laughs> Maybe they were going after a certain look, you know, yes. but yeah. I do love Julia Roberts, how she got this role because she, in addition to coloring her hair, she starts messing with the other people that are auditioning. So they're reading their scripts, they're studying, and she throws on her Walkman and just starts singing really, really loudly, not only to get attention, but to throw everyone else off. So Love she it. wanted 
she went to bat for this role. So I like those cool. stories. And Ben, Ben Affleck, we we haven't spoken to him about him yet, but his buddy Matt Damon, this is his uh, debut role, so that's yes. why it comes up a lot in trivia. Ben Affleck auditioned for the same role. It went to Matt Damon on a technicality. Ben Affleck is two years younger than Matt Damon, so he is 15 and Matt Damon is 17. Ben, if he shot scenes at night, would have to have his mother present. So they went with Matt Damon. Alternate universe, we may never get Jason Bourne. We may never get Matt Damon, the the movie star, if Ben Affleck is just one year older. Matt Damon looks the part better. Because the whole family is kind of the blonde look. Waspy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Terrible name, though. Steamer. I mean, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, lots of jokes. I also saw that Laura San Giacomo, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, but she played Kit in Pretty Woman. Yes. You know who I'm talking about? Laura. Am I saying her name wrong? San Giacomo? I'm the worst for that, so I have no um, idea. Who I love. I love her. She was in Just Shoot Me. I like her a lot. Yes, I she, love Quacho. Um, so she, she ends up being in a movie with Pretty Woman a couple years later, but she, uh, I had read that she also auditioned for the role of Daisy. Okay. She would have been good. I think yeah. she's so great as Kit for all the reasons that Julie Roberts is great too. She's got that sassy spunkiness that mm-hmm. – but she – also is able to somehow layer it with a little vulnerability so that you just you like her and you want her to come out on top. So I think she would have been able to do that really well. I can see it. Yeah. And this is another debut. This is our director's first movie. And I I'm really bad at paying attention to some of these directors. Apparently I like Donald Petrie. Or Same. at least from what I've seen. So he, he starts with Mystic Pizza. He does Turner and Hooch, not the movie, not the Tom Hanks one. There's a TV movie, apparently. But the Grumpy Old Men is in his repertoire, yes. my favorite Martian. Miss Congeniality is great. I will still go to bat for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. All mm-hmm. the other guys are wrong on this podcast. I remember uh, liking it. Yeah. It's a good it, one. I mean, it's not going to win an Oscar. But no. It's, no. It's, it's fine for what it is. Uh, just my luck. Little Italy was his last one. I haven't seen seen that, but we did cover How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, two thousand and three. That's our episode twenty one, very early episode. So here, are three guys before Lizzie joined to save our podcast <laughs> argue <laughs> on whether this is a good movie or not. <laughs> Kate Hudson's beautiful. Great. Of course, she is. She Glorious is. Yes. Movie. I would say would have this is a good one too. I'm really impressed if this was his directorial debut. He did a really good job. He did. Yeah, it's he incredible. Did a great job. Uh, we, we've talked about this is set present day, 1980s in Mystic, Connecticut. It is actually only one scene was filmed in Mystic because it's a really popular tourist destination. Every, it was way too busy to film, so they're doing most of this in the neighboring town of Stonington. Uh, other than that, I can imagine... This was made me into this was made into a musical and I think that's it would be interesting to see I, that hasn't come to the Pittsburgh musical community hmm. 
we do have kind of a typical 80s soundtrack. It's cheesy at times. Is it hot in here is playing when they're shooting pool. That is just glorious 80s cheese. There's saxophone. It, mm. appropriate it's up, up the time, appropriate yeah. Times. Yes. Yes. I, I love it all. I imagine Russell just seething at the soundtrack. Did you guys enjoy it? Do you want to see a musical of Mystic Pizza? <laughs> I don't want to see musical i'm just generally not a fan of trying to milk something for the last dollar if something is popular so i like this movie therefore i'm like just leave it be i i would if the same characters were, were to have come back for a sequel i would have maybe been on board for that but i don't care for the musical i will say on the music front though i didn't really notice the soundtrack but what i did notice was the that typical old world musical cue kind of throughout, especially when we're kind of in the pizza parlor and stuff like, and like the town plays a part in this movie a lot. Like I could feel mystic, you know? So I I liked that aspect of it more so than the soundtrack itself. I love that you said that because I love how older movies use music to tell you how you're supposed to be feeling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it so much. And I miss that. It doesn't happen nearly as often as it should. But I I loved – I mean, I'm a huge 80s fan. I love just the drama of it all, and I, I think it was absolutely perfect. But I would see a musical. I'm a huge musical nerd, and I even – I'm not necessarily for milking something for all of its worth, but I am a very obsessive person. So if I really like something, I just want to – dive in head first and absorb right. as much content about it as humanly possible. So I would absolutely go see Mystic Pizza and soak in all of the corny saxophone I could. I Yeah, I think I would see this. I, yeah? Okay. I think it'd be interesting. I had a really great time with a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. We covered that earlier in the year. That's a fantastic comedy and a musical as well, a Broadway musical. I'm I'm here for it. I want to hear them do the Frank Sinatra, I've got you under my skin, or have the girls actually singing Aretha Franklin's Respect. Oh, yeah. That was a good – I liked yes, that. Yeah. Yes. So any of that, if they can get the rights to I – don't, I don't know how the movie went or if they made – or the musical went or if they made original music. I'm sure they did to fill in some of the areas, but – Ah, I'll I'll see it. So, uh, you guys ready to hand out some awards? Yeah, let's do it. I think so. All right. Katie, we'll start with you. Our MVP of this movie can be director, actor, supporting actor. Who do you have? It's Julia Roberts. Now, technically, there were like three leads. So I think like the the supporting versus lead, like that gets a little wonky here. But it's her breakthrough role. And I think it allowed her to get Pretty Woman, which then she goes on to become a superstar. And, you know, like we had talked about, she just has a quality about her, um, relatable, like she's not too perfect. Um, I love like, I yeah, the way she delivers everything. She's got this sassy attitude. She's just, she really just solid performance by Julia Roberts. Yeah, she's, she's wonderful. She's hard not to pick. Lizzie, did you go Julia? I did for all the reasons that you just named. I mean, I just, 
you just can't take your eyes off of her. When the camera's on her, it, no matter who's talking, you're looking at Julia. It's just she's magnetic. So I have a rule when when I'm doing movies like this, if almost everything is working for me, I tend to go with the director and Donald Petrie. Nice. As, Good one. As, as far as his directorial debut, I think he knocked it out of the park. Like you cast the right people, you put the right people in the right places. Uh, Ju- Julia Roberts was initially considered for a different role. I think she was auditioning for Cat or something different. Jojo, I think Jojo. Jojo. Okay, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which would have been interesting. I think mm-hmm. she could do it, but yeah. you got all the right people. And it's not over long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. So wonderful debut for Donald Petrie. I'm on board for that. Yeah. Your best supporting actor. Katie. Oh, by far, Lily Taylor. I am in love with her in this movie. Yep. Just she's, she couldn't, nobody, she, that's it. Just, she was fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. She is a spitfire in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. Yes. You're right. Lizzie, are you going to make it two for two? We're two for two. I put Lily Taylor as well. Yeah. I, I think she's so ditzy and fun, but I really think that Lily Taylor made this movie – she gave so much comic relief to it. But then when it t- came time for her to get serious, that scene in the parlor right after Bill breaks up with her, mm-hmm. that was a really – intense scene and she played it so well. So the fact that she was able to do both simultaneously, I just, she did an awesome job. Yeah. They did a great job of pointing out that she doesn't really love responsibility without hammering it home by saying, you're here three hours early. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. You're never early. So that, that was a good line. I went with the other sister. I went with Annabeth Gish. I'm probably, really? I'm probably going to be uh Sparring here with Katie later Maybe. on. But I, I think she does a good job of being vulnerable. And she, Katie nailed the most emotional scene in this entire movie when she's crying and she's saying, why does it hurt so much? I, I just wanted to hug her through the screen and just, I kind of understand that young, naive, you found your first person that's giving you attention and you're so smart, but you're so stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Hidden Gem, and we there. This is a solid cast from top to bottom. It is. I so mine. He's not really a hidden gem. He because he's so present. But it's Vincent D'Onofrio for me. Okay. He's so. Oh, Bill. I mean, just you can't have JoJo without Bill. These two had so much chemistry. It's a young, handsome. You know, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, yeah, he, he played his part perfectly. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Lizzie? I went with Matt Damon. I had no idea that he was in this movie. <laughs> so why they, you know, having on, only watched this earlier this week for the first time. So I had was sitting down at dinner and I or watched the dinner scene and all of a sudden they pan over at him. I'm like, what? Was that my Damon? Was that my Damon? And then they would do, do it again. Like, that was my Damon. <laughs> then it's I, fun when that happens. Yes, it was Maybe. really fun. And yeah. I IMDb'd him. Like, this was his, like, very first role yeah. he'd ever been in. And so we had a good laugh out of that. And so that was that was fun. 
Yes, not someone that looks like Matt Damon. It's just yeah. meaningless <laughs> throwaway role. That's, that is fun. I I really love Conchata Farrell. Yeah, she was great. She's she's more reserved here than what I'm used to, but I still think every scene that she's involved, she just has that gravitas. I pay attention. She steals every scene that she has. So, yeah, this, these are hard because everybody's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Recast. She's very maternal on this movie, which mm-hmm. I feel is such a departure from anything that she's ever done, and it's cool to watch her in in a loving role. It's just she's always yeah. kind of being, you know. I when I when I think of her, everybody has kind of a different identifier. I think of her as the person in Mr. Deeds. You know, she's also ironically in a pizza parlor in that movie. Yes. Yeah, but she's just like <laughs> she's. She's just like uh, just this super overprotective, like somehow ironically like a redneck type of woman and just this big burly like um, don't mess with me kind of person. And I think she has that energy I think in every role she does just because that's probably just attached to who she is as a person. But I've just never seen her maternal and that was Mm -hmm. was fun for me to watch. Yeah. Yeah. She does usually have that roughness but here – I think Sarah mistook her for the mother at first until you actually get introduced to Mrs. Arujo. It's like, oh, no, this lady just owns this shop Mm -hmm. because they don't really explain the relationship until the very end. Yeah, yeah. She's giving them the money and saying, I don't have children. You're my children. Well, you guys are foreshadowing uh, one one of my awards. All right. All right. Nice. We will will get on to that and into the fun realm of recast. Who are you recasting? This one, uh, you're you're absolutely right, Chad. I'm recasting Annabelle Gish. Um, Fair. It's again. I'm don't. I'm not sure. I can put quite put my finger on it. It's just not quite there for me. And also, I think she doesn't have quite the right look, either. That's fair. <laughs> so, uh, for me, I would do. It took me like I somebody about the same age, I would recast her with Ashley Judd. Ooh. You've made Lizzie happy. I love Ashley Judd. Yes, I love her. Yeah. That's an awesome choice. Lizzie, who are you recasting? So I never thought I'd ever do this in my whole life, pick this person. But I felt like Adam Stork, I believe his name is, he plays Charlie. And I think I, while I really liked Charlie as a character, I think the moments that made him the most fun to watch were kind of what you were saying, Chad, you and I both were hitting on this, were kind of those moments where things were falling flat for him and seeing how his charm was able to just kind of elevate his mood and keep things moving along. I really liked the idea of Charlie. And so I went I went with Tom Cruise. I feel like he has that Tom Cruise vibe, you know, walking into the bar, acting like he owns the place. You know, I'm going to give me three shots of tequila. I'm going to get this three times. And you know, he has the like that Top Gun energy yes. to him. And I think he honestly kind of carries that out. I really feel like I was watching a Maverick wannabe. And so I just – I'm not a – Tom Cruise fan in the sense that I love his like I'm not crazy about Tom Cruise the person but I cannot mm-hmm. deny that I love his movies the man makes great movies so he just he brings that pizzazz to the table that I think maybe Adam lacked 
I hear you. My pushback <laughs> is two things. One, Tom Cruise, I think we need a blonde guy in the oh, role. That's very fair. Yes, for the waspiness. Yes. <laughs> and B, Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts' height differential. That's also yeah. a very good point. You know, I've heard rumors before that they get him a step stool when he's they're dealing with someone that's a little taller than him. Because <laughs> she's tall. Like for he's a woman, tall. she's tall. And he's he, probably yeah. like 5'10", I think. I think yeah. he's a very, very tall woman. And I think he is 5'7", maybe. That if, might be generous. Yeah, yeah I think it's probably generous. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? They might just give him some platform shoes. Yeah. But I do see your point yeah. definitely about <laughs> the walk. fair, but I, I, hear, I, hear you, point. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's it's all angles. We do Lord of the Rings where we make Ian McKellen tower over okay. everyone with boxes and angles. Yep. The waspiness I, I get though, one hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it'd, maybe it'd be more goose. Maybe Val Kilmer. Oh, I can of, see that. Yeah. yeah, Val Kilmer would be a good one. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. He reminds me of Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that same I can type. See that, yeah. Yeah. Well, Katie's gonna push back on me too, but I can't get over Vincent D'Onofrio with hair. It just bothers oh. me. So he has wonderful chemistry, but he's got to go. Okay. Like, Emilio Estevez is who I'm bringing in here. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. That is I, a great choice. I can see that. Now, again, it's just interesting. It, Lily Taylor's short, so it doesn't matter. But it was just funny because Bill seems so tall, and maybe maybe it is because Lily Taylor is short, and Emilio I don't think is tall. But I, that's a good yeah. – I like that because that's definitely pulling from the 80s. Yes. I can see that. And he Vincent's could, he could get, massive, uh, so. he could have big feelings. I think he, you know, he, he does a great job at expressing yep. himself in all of his roles. So he would have done an awesome job. I mean, that's a good choice. I, I'd I, like to see that. He's that primarily sure. casted because of the majestic hair. Like if we've got to have someone with hair. He's got really hair. Lasted. There you go. Best shot, Katie. Well, this might be cheating, but technically it's two because it's the bookends. I really like the opening wedding sequence and especially how we're, it's sort of shown through Lily's eyes or Jojo's eyes. Sorry, Jojo's eyes. But then really it's the, the end bookend where it's the shot of them in the car together. And technically we don't know that they got married but they're they're together in the truck and she's saying nothing has changed except my name and then it and then it's like a it widens to show them together in their wedding clothes so Very those sweet. bookends oh wonderful lizzie what's your best shot so my shot and mine might be cheating a little bit for a different reason because it's kind of more focusing on the actors but I'm going to qualify it as a shot just because they really kind of captured a still of their faces but it's the bar scene where Charlie has gone in and he's he's in his dart competition and he's about to throw the very last dart and he takes his final shot or excuse me he's about to take his final shot of tequila and he spots Daisy for the first time and you know they make eyes at each other and he cheers makes the cheers gesture towards her and it just so happens that Daisy is standing right behind Lorna I believe is her name she is the blonde that came with Charlie and so she's just diagonal enough that Lorna can tell that he is not intending this cheers for her. And there's just a still on 
Daisy and Lorna and the look on Lorna's face where she's like, okay, like Mm -hmm. I see what's going on right now. You're about to ditch me for this townie. And it was just an awesome scene because I think like – I think unfortunately on, on some level, every girl who has ever had, you know, a single face in her life can totally appreciate that moment. But then also I I love that that was a shot that kind of just set up how the rest of the, their story was going to play out. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Good one. Ooh, the, the angry. Well, you can't yeah. hear, but you're not leaving with me. And then yes. she has to win – when they're playing pool, Lorna's just like standing there like a stick in the mud. And yes. uh, Daisy is has to like politely be like, excuse me, like she needs her to move so she can make the right. shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, wait, I know where you are. You're a hustler, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. It's yes. pretty funny. So it was um, – yeah, that was a, a good shot for me because it was just – you can see how things are going to unravel. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to the JoJo and Bill relationship. And for me, it was the shot of Bill standing on the boat. We've got the beautiful shot of the harbor in the background. And he's just laying into JoJo about only wanting him for sex. I thought the whole thing was nicely framed. It was a static shot. We don't have any cuts or anything. It's just Vincent D'Onofrio acting his heart out and giving his heart to JoJo and saying, I don't, we're done. And you get the friends in the background who are just a little bit shell-shocked about all of this. As, as we mentioned, big feelings are coming out. So I really Good like one. that shot. Best scene. That's my best scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, your Still best shot. Yeah, your- I just, I again, I Bill, he's like, I'm telling you that I love you. Yes. yes. And all you care about is... Yes. And ha- and then he says, "How do you think that makes me feel?" In front of everyone, with the the word "nympho" written on, on his boat, covered up, Jojo. I and just how she's frantically because she's on like the dock, walking mm-hmm. up. It, just that scene is so perfectly done. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. He's given that classic female line of how does how do you think that makes me feel? And I. I love that relationship that everything's just flipped on its head. I love that. Lizzie? So I actually put the scene that happens immediately after where JoJo shows up three hours early to her shift. Mm. And because she starts to do the thing where, you know, she's she's prideful and her ego has kind of gotten in the way. She hasn't even – it's like the reality of what's just happened hasn't even hit her. And so she's – You know, like, I don't really want to talk about it because I broke up with Bill. Like, we broke up. And just the way that she starts to spiral in real time about, you know, saying, like, this is a good thing because, like, I don't even want this. Like, I, in a couple of years, I'll get to retire and I'll find out, or you're going to retire and I'll find out what's in that sauce. And, you know, I don't need Bill. I don't need a man. And she starts to realize, like, wait a second. Like, I've, like, this is real. And he's broken up with me. And it's like she starts to – just the evolution of that entire moment. I just thought Lily Taylor's acting was superb. It was so amazing how she was able to go from being cocky to overwhelmed to just in kind of despair all within 
two and a half minutes. I mean, it was really awesome. Um, I'll take an economics course. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I agree. That's a really, that's a, there are a lot to pick from, but yeah, that was a really great scene as well. You both picked excellent acting and sometimes I am just a simple man who likes simple things. So <laughs> I, I went with the sitcom scene. It's it's like a classic sitcom of Daisy getting this misinformation of Charlie is cheating on you. Mm-hmm. And we find out it's his sister and she dumps this big old thing of fish into the Porsche and we get a ruined car and her embarrassment and just how they're playing off of each other's where she's like, you're weird because he doesn't flip out. He's like, yeah. I'm weird. And he's, you just poured fish in my car. And yeah, it's a great scene. Really good. Just, it's an I love Lucy type moment. So I, I really enjoy, sometimes I enjoy the simple things. Yes. Great. So best wardrobe and makeup moment. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about this. Katie, what's your favorite wardrobe from here? Well, I don't know if I would pick one, possibly Lily Taylor's like leggings outfit. Um, but I, for me, it's more overall, just that that it's not fashion forward. It's very just realistic, like the clothes that they're wearing. is Yeah, it is just like an oversized shirt with some leggings and, and just the T-shirts at the pizza place that say a slice of heaven or something. I really liked the real nature of their clothes that it wasn't high fashion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem like, well, we do get the Windsors who are the high class, but yeah. it's a very working class community. So they're just wearing the headbands or the, the, the jackets with the oversized shirts. Only. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Lizzie. Julie Roberts's hair. I just, her hair is Ooh, good one. Perfection. I want that body. I mean, that, ability there's so much volume and body in her hair just so unbelievable and she just I mean she could literally be wearing a like a bag as a dress or anything I mean it doesn't honestly matter what she's wearing it's it's the hair that she's just absolutely epic and I actually think that the fact that to your point Katie that she's you know everything's just very realistic you know these People are supposed to be kind of just working class townies. Like the idea that they're you know they're not going to be in the latest trendy clothes, it really lends itself to the authenticity of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that her her hair, honestly, I just think it's like so fantastic. She doesn't even need any of that stuff anyway. So it just it was perfect. Yeah, yeah that's a great is, one. It is it's it's very hypnotizing that hair. Uh, I, I do wonder, Russell gets cut up with 80s hairstyles. I, I would like to hear his take on this, whether he's frustrated or he's on board with that. Uh, for me, I think it was just each of the girls had something different. Kat, she's wearing sweaters almost throughout. And I just like the simple sweaters that they had her in throughout the movie. It's just simple, but it also kind of evokes like protect this person. She's covering up the most. She's uh, So she's... Those Her pleated wooden. pants. She had yeah. a lot of pleated pants. The turtlenecks. Yeah. 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 She I was very, she, she did dress waspy for a She for did. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. The style kind of lent her to, okay, maybe the upper class of this group, but also. She's headed to Yale. Yes. Yes. Very true. Change one thing and only one thing. Katie, what are you changing about this movie? 
Oh, I I think this is really hard. I mean, obviously, I mean, we already talked about recasting Cat, but that's a separate category. It's hard. So I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel to come up with something. And I say more Leona. I want more backstory, more, just more of her a little bit. Expand on Leona a little bit is what I would change. I can't argue with that. It's rare that I would say I want a movie to be longer, but if you can fit more Conchata Farrell in it. Yeah. Fantastic. Love it. Lizzie, what are you changing? So I have I have two, but my um, my first was I want to know what's in the sauce. What's in the nice. sauce? You know, I think it would have been so cute, you know, because she hands the cash to mm-hmm. to Cat. I think it would have been super cute to then you know maybe she can give something tiny to Daisy so that she yeah. doesn't feel left out. But then to JoJo, she is a wedding present, like slips her little envelope to be like maybe read this when you. When you're ready, she's like, it's yep. the boss. So mm-hmm. I think that would have been cute. Maybe not to even necessarily know what's in it, but yeah, to, yeah I like that, that better. She's gonna figure it out. We don't um, know, but she knows. Yeah. Yes, I think that would be fun. Um, and also, this is just like a small aside, but I always hate it when there's the trope where your hu- there's a husband having an affair with a younger woman, and then it turns out that the wife is like frumpy and old looking and I just feel like <laughs> get, like make the wife hot like why not like this you can be a jerk even if your wife is hot and I just think you know you don't don't do her dirty like that dirty. Like, you know what's so old <laughs> I hear you I think to some degree because she was very like a classy like she wasn't ugly no she, no just I think it's just older. in the 80s people yes. looked old like she probably was 30 Maybe I don't it was know. the permed hair. Maybe it was something like it was definitely the style and the hair and the very ghostly makeup, which I think were all things that were very popular in the eighties. So I think you have a very strong point. She but, seems not fun, though. Yes, she yeah. definitely yeah. did not seem fun. But I yeah. was like, oh man, come on, like make yeah, the wife hot. Don't make you. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. Do the wife. <laughs> <laughs> you will receive no argument from me. Make. Make women more attractive. <laughs> like, I'll take it. Fine. Yeah. But I, I'm going to go to your first point. I'm going to go to the pizza as well and change mm. something. And mine is going to be very simple. We touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. Don't ruin that pizza with fungus. You put mushrooms on the pizza, remove the mushrooms from the pizza. It's more believable for me if that topping is left off that they enjoyed it. So, okay. That's going to be my ridiculous crusade. You can tell I didn't have many problems with this movie. It was hard to come up with something. Yes. So best quote, Katie. Remember, we're a family podcast. Did you know what my quote was? Because Mm -hmm. it is the, and you, this was, I think your favorite scene. It's where she, when she dumps the fish guts in the Porsche and she says, I, Screwed up? Yeah. <laughs> Screwed up? He says, yeah, but you but you gave it 100% effort. And then she says, you're weird. Like in that Julia Roberts way that yeah. I think she recreates in Pretty Woman. Like she yes. has a way of saying it. Yes. Um, so the, technically that's like three quotes, but it's a sequence of quotes that I, I really enjoyed. That was Good. a fun part to watch. 
It was mine as well. There's surprisingly few quotes in this movie that you can say on this type of podcast. Yeah, there were a few others, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're trying to keep it clean. Lizzie, what was your favorite? So mine is the, I'm telling you that I love you and all you care about is my body. It doesn't matter, Brian. Brian, Brian, you're wrong. We can't say that word. Do you know how that makes me feel? And I just, I think that, I was not expecting, I knew he was about to share big feelings, but I didn't expect it to go in that direction. But I mean, I had had to agree with him. I mean, the man had a lot of willpower throughout that movie. And I think finally he just, he needed to get it all out there and say, you know, I want to wait and you don't and then we're not cool. Not cool. Yeah. After you get busted. He's not even trying. Like she's clawing at him, trying to take his pants off, and then it gets broken up. And he's like, "It's not what it looks like." I know, it's so bad. It's kind of exactly what it looks like. <laughs> run, run, run! <laughs> it's not his fault in that moment. It is not. But yeah, yeah. Great quotes. Uh, before we get into our rating and recommendation, Katie, can you tell us one more time where we can find your podcast? Yeah, Retro Made Your Pop Culture Rewind. I do. There is a YouTube version, so Retromade Podcast on YouTube. Uh, otherwise, I'm on whatever plat- platform you use to listen to podcasts, and you'll find me on Facebook. And then if anybody likes Rocky movies, I also do a show um, called One More Round. I'm a co-host of a show with two guys called One More Round. It's a Rocky series podcast, and it's also uh, on YouTube and wherever you find podcasts. So check us out. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. And and her shoes are shorter, so they're easier to binge. So you can you can get more of her takes. Uh, definitely check it out. Been a great guest. We are going to rate zero to five stars, half star increments. Katie, what are you giving Mystic Pizza? I'm giving it a four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I don't know if there's really much to expand upon. Why did I take one point away? Just little. You know. I don't know. It's. It's not like a perfect movie, so therefore it gets a four. That's fair. Lizzie, first-time viewer, what's this going to land for you? Yes. You know, I'm going with four as well. I think uh, I see myself watching this movie again, and I've said this before, that rewatchability is a big part of my rating system. I think I love these coming-of-age tales. I think they're so much fun, and I think no matter how old – you are, it's always fun to go back and revisit because you just feel so much nostalgia for, even though you might be dealing with hyperbolic situations, you can always mm-hmm. relate on some level of from your own experiences. So I really love that. The only thing keeping me from that half star really I think is just kind of more circumstances beyond its control. I think that this movie has such a massive cult following that I'm, I've been aware of for many years. And I think it's kind of has that hocus pocus mm-hmm. energy to it yeah, in the sense call. where if you grew up watching hocus pocus, if that was a part of your childhood, you know, zeitgeist, then you were just completely obsessed, utterly devoted to it, even as an adult. But for people who are visiting it for the first time as adults, it just doesn't hold that same magic for mm-hmm. them. And I think that's probably how I felt watching this movie of like, you know, I I think it is a great movie and I think I'll watch it again. I'll recommend it. But I wish that I had seen this movie sooner because I think I'd appreciate watching it having gone through it around a similar time in my life. 
Okay, I can definitely see that. I, I'm going to be three for three on the four stars. Wow, and look at us. I The star, the minus one star for me is, it's a little formulaic. Like you can predict each beat. As soon as we're introduced to Tim, it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be the relationship here. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't surprise you, but you know what? It doesn't have to. There's nothing wrong with a formulaic movie if it's executed well and with characters I really like. So this is one of those cozy by the fire or popcorn movies you can throw on. You don't have to think a ton, but you just enjoy everyone's presence and have a good time. So I recommend it. I I hope the rest of the podcast enjoyed it. Lizzie, I'm glad you did. Yes. So this, was, this was a fun one to revisit. Uh, we are going to pick a movie for next time. Unfortunately, I... No clever theme this week. I, I've got nothing. Lizzie, you're just going to pick from a list of three movies that we're going to make our other hosts deal with. So, <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> so option number one is Gods and Monsters from 1998. The Last Days of Frankenstein from 1931's director James Whale are explored. Option two Blue is the warmest color from 2013. Adele's life has changed when she meets Emma, a young woman with blue hair who will allow her to discover desire and to assert herself as a woman and as an adult. Option three, Velvet Goldmine, 1998. In 1984, British journalist Arthur Stewart investigates the career of 1970s glam superstar Brian Slade, who was heavily influenced in his early years by hard-living and rebellious American singer Kurt Wilde. (laughs) Blue is the warmest color. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. We will, I think we've alluded to that before we had some scheduling problems so yes we are going to return and we are going to cover blue is the warmest color katie thank you so much thank you for the recommendation we all clearly had a good time you've been a wonderful guest you've got a wonderful show please check it out thank you guys so much i to be honest was a little nervous lizzie when you said you hadn't seen it before because it is one of those that i was like "Uh uh-oh because you grew up watching something and loving it. And then if somebody just recently watches it, you get a little nervous. So I was so happy. It, and for the most part, we were all pretty much on the same page. So yeah. I had a blast talking about Mystic Pizza with both of you. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool to meet you. Wonderful. And thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you guys to reach out to us because we want to hear from you only if you have nice things to say about us. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We don't have video, but you can listen to us on audio. Just have that on loop. Give us a like on Facebook, Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. You can email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And remember that producing and providing you guys with this entertainment is fun for us, but it is not free for us. So we invite you guys to support our stage through Patreon. Patreon.com slash retromovieroundtable. Any contribution is greatly appreciated. You want to be part of the Cool Kids Club, so it'll help make this show better for you, the listeners. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Lizzie? In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.